What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a, another edition of the Take 3 podcast. We're here on a Thursday afternoon, a couple days removed now from probably arguably the greatest weekend of football I've ever seen in my life. The uh, divisional round was ridiculous. Every game somehow came down to the wire to the last play. You could say even the uh, Bucks game that was pretty much a wash through a uh, half, even three quarters. Uh, the Rams decided to kind of shut it down, fumble eight times and just let Tom Brady, you know, try to write another chapter in his story. Obviously, we saw what happened. The Rams, they, they did escape. Ridiculous. Uh, gutsy play to Matt Stafford. Not a big Matt Stafford guy, but he found a way to get it done. And then, I mean, what can you say on the other side of the board? The uh, the Bengals find a way to get, get it done. They get a little help. Ryan Tannehill uh, does what he's good at. You know what I mean? He crumbled uh, three interceptions, three bad interceptions. And uh, they find a way to get it done. And then when you look at the uh, Buffalo Bills and the Chiefs, probably was that arguably the greatest game. I think that would have been one of the best games I've ever seen personally is a single game other than maybe that Rams Chiefs uh, game down. And it was in Mexico City, I want to say, where they absolutely just had a slugfest, 50 points a piece just going back and forth. But I mean, before we jump into this thing, I just want to get your guys thoughts coming off of a, a great weekend of football. Now that we're four days removed from it, um, whoever can jump in, let's get it going. How do you guys uh, feel coming off of this? Uh, I feel great, right? Like I picked Chiefs Niners. I was all over the Niners against the Packers. I'm bandwagoning the Niners through this playoff run. So I'm hyped. It was a great weekend of football. The Niners won. I'm ecstatic. Yeah, I mean, I think you pretty much nailed it. We can get into the, you know, the game by game analysis here in a second. But overall, like one of the best weekends of football you could ask for. Three, the first three games of the weekend all uh, ended on the the foot of an away team kicker, which was pretty crazy. It looked like for a while there when Buffalo took the lead that all four away teams were going to win. And that would have just seemed like improbable. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't want to deep dive in all these. We're now four days past them, but I mean, I could jump a, a couple of quick ones. I mean, just off of the, uh, the bill sheets, how do you guys feel about OT? Like people are big OT debate, OT debate, OT debate. Um, where do you guys stand on kind of that end of the, uh, of the spectrum? Yeah, <clears throat> with everybody talking about how they want the rules changed, I'm probably in the minority here, but I don't have a problem with the overtime rules. Um, you had 13 seconds to not give up three points. The way they played those last few plays were not good. They gave up that field goal, and then it went to the coin flip. I understand it's not cool that, like, it goes to the coin flip because, let's be honest, if the Bills win the coin flip, they probably go down and score, right? They probably win the football game. But the Chiefs were on the other end of that in 2018. They put it up to in the offseason for a vote. No one even wanted to vote on it. So I feel like the owners are okay with the overtime rules. I'm personally fine with them. I know a lot of people feel differently, but I'm perfectly fine with it. Yeah, but you blame? Yeah. I I like I like the new overtime rules. I was, you know, we're all old enough to remember the days when you won the toss, you complete two or three passes, you trot your kicker out, he kicks a field goal and the game's over. And the NFL, I don't know, maybe what, seven, eight years ago now, finally did away with that. So I think that the, the quote unquote new rule is good. Uh, I mean, offense is only half of, well, really a third if you count special teams, but it's really only half the formula, half the, you know, the players that make up a team. So I don't, I don't have an issue with it at all just because you're basically saying defense doesn't matter. If you say, let's just keep giving quarterbacks the football and see who's the first one to not score. I mean, that seems kind of weird. I do remember last week when we were talking about the game overall, uh, I couldn't really give you guys a good reason. I said, I don't think either team has the advantage. I said, I'm just rolling the chiefs because I trust uh, Mahomes and Andy Reid a little bit more than I trust Allen and McDermott. And I specifically said, it looks kind of ironic now. I specifically said, uh, I just think Mahomes will have the ball late in the game with an opportunity to go ahead. And I don't think he'll mess it up. What I didn't account for is he would get the ball three times under two minutes to go and go three for three on go ahead scores, which is just absurd. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we could get into the defensive formation all day. That could go on for literally like an hour. The only good, I mean, the only thing I guess that people are going to argue is, and obviously in the playoffs, when you get this deep, you're probably giving the ball to the best QBs, right? You get there every time. Uh, you're giving the ball to Patrick Mahomes. I think the QB, I think the team that gets the ball first in the playoffs, I want to say, what is it, 10 and 1? They're like, yeah. it's overwhelmingly they win every <laughs> single time. I would just, um, yeah, I mean, I'm fine personally where the rules are. It doesn't really 
bother me. I heard an interesting thing though. That's uh, I forget where I heard it when I was listening, but it was like the home team. So you basically have both teams get the pick, right? Instead of a coin toss, you'll have the home team or it's either the home or the away team. One team picks where the ball is spotted and then the other team would be able to pick, Hey, do you want to play defense or do you want to play offense? Right. So you could have, if you're the chiefs, you could put the ball at the five and then Buffalo could sit there and say, do we want to get Patrick Mahomes even the ball at the five or do we want to just, do we want to take the ball? We'll start at the five and try to do a, do our thing. I mean, I don't, as I said, I'm fine with the OT rules as they are. That's kind of just the suggestion that I heard any kind of a discourse on that before we kind of move on. Yeah. I heard an, I heard an interesting one. Uh, I think the, sorry to cut you off. I think the Ravens actually proposed that rule change too. If, if I heard it correctly, I believe the Ravens, that one that I mentioned, they proposed that a couple of years ago. That's super interesting. I heard one that I thought was kind of brilliant. I, it's you know been out there for like three or four days now and I still can't you know get a feel for what the reception around the league would be because I don't think it blew up enough but somebody said what if to eliminate all overtime period and, and coin tosses and all that that if it's coming down to the end of the game if the game ends in a tie the team who got to that score first wins and what it does is it creates a lot of interesting scenarios so let's get say, say the score is you know, 24 to 17, if the game ends up 24, 24, the team that got to 24 first would win. So what would happen is really a team would, would score a touchdown to make it 24, 23. And then they'd be, you know, kind of uh, obliged to go for two or get the two and win or miss the two and, um, you know, kick an onside kick. But what the guy said was it, it leaves all, randomness of, of a coin flip out of the equation and puts all of the onus and decision-making on playmakers and coaching decisions. And I thought that was really interesting. Facts. I did not hear that. I just think just because of how good like Josh Allen was like the competition committee there, I think they're for sure going to sit down uh, this off season and look long and hard. And I think you could see rule changes occur now. Well, I agree with them. It depends what rules they roll with, but I definitely think, I mean, when you had two quarterbacks that played this damn good and we're going to see them probably for the next decade, 15 years, which we're very lucky that um, they will probably sit down and uh, try to hash out something, whether it's agreed to, who knows, as I said, I'm cool with what they're rolling with. Now you had plenty of possessions, right? When you have 13 possessions, as Alex mentioned, you had 13 seconds, right? You didn't have to uh, completely play brain dead and let Travis Kelsey run straight down the seam. Uh, you didn't even have to rush three, right? I felt like I could have been the defensive coordinator there. Um, but yeah, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Don't get beat with 13 seconds, but I do think they will sit down and uh, they'll, they'll try to hash something out. Uh yeah, go for it if you have a thought. Yeah, I was just going to say, and this overtime thing is one of those scenarios, right, whether you like this rule or not, whether they change it or not, where <clears throat> no matter what they decide to do, you're going to have people on both sides of the fences with whatever rules they decide on. So it's just one of those things where you can't – you're not going to make everybody happy here. Nope. Yeah, you'll see the uh, the, the old heads – I don't know, the old, uh, the old heads and the Twitter warriors, they'll go back and uh, back and forth. I'm cool with whatever uh, happens as long as it's not something that's, like, ridiculously stupid and it's not something that just makes it go on, right? Because you don't want uh, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen playing 20 more minutes of football, 30 more minutes of football. Yeah. Somehow they keep going back and forth, tie, 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 because it's, like, realistically, like, uh, those offenses were so good that it's like uh, when it gets down to that point, uh, what are the chances? I mean, the defenses obviously could somehow get a stop. I don't know. But uh, then you, as I've heard, then you compromise them for next week, right? They played 30 extra minutes of football uh, and they got to go recover and get ready for another game the following week. So it'll be interesting to see what the competition committee uh, comes up with going forward as I think it'll be a heavy, uh, heavy debate this off season. Um, quick thoughts from the uh, Titans game. I mean, obviously nine sacks, terrible Bengals O-line performance, but Joe Burrow finds a way to get it done. Uh, and then on the other side, I'm just going to say, can the Titans, uh, is there anything there with the uh, Ryan Tannehill era? Obviously they gave him the money, but I mean, can they get, I mean, they were the one seed this year. <clears throat> obviously you could say healthy Derrick Henry, this, that, this, that. Um, can they, can they get any farther with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback? Uh, I'll answer this since I picked the Titans and I was higher on Tannehill. Um, they can get further in the sense they could go back to an AFC championship game. It's going to be tough to win the AFC and actually win the Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. I was higher than him than y'all were going into this game. Uh, foolishly, I might add, because he looked really bad. But I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's we, we just saw Mahomes and Allen go at it, right? 
And like they were destined to face one of those guys, but they didn't even get through Joe Burrow. So like it's hard to see Tennessee winning the Super Bowl at with Ryan Tannehill at the helm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Blaine, if you want to add uh, anything to that. Yeah, I mean, I just think the days of the days of the Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, terrible quarterbacks winning in spite of uh, how bad they play because their team can overcome it. I think those days are over like the the old Trent Dilfer, you know, winning Super Bowl rings, because in order for Tannehill to win the AFC, I mean, not only did he have to get past presumably Mahomes and Josh Allen, but, you know, there's Joe Burrow, there's Justin Herbert, there's Lamar Jackson, let's not forget. I mean, there's so many quarterbacks in the AFC that it's just like me ever picking Tannehill to beat any of those guys, no matter if Derrick Henry continues to be a workhorse and unstoppable force. Uh, or not, I just can't see myself saying, oh, yeah, beginning of the bracket, I'm going to take a look at the AFC quarterbacks and put my money on Tannehill. Yeah, no uh, no shot you'll ever see me put any money on uh, Tannehill yet because you could see this year they're the one seed. They got to avoid that Bills-Chiefs matchup in the second round, right? They got to face the inexperienced Zach Taylor, the inexperienced Joe Burrow in the playoffs and that young team, and uh, he sauced up three picks, right? He was kind of – they lost by three uh, – he just, I, I just, yeah, I can't, I can't see it. If you, if you can't win a, uh, a game post by at home where your defense gives you nine sacks, it's, it's not good look. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it was, um, it was bad. That's all I can really say. And then I think, yeah, if you're the Titans, right, if you're Mike Grable in that, that uh, front office, this is probably a conversation that they're having is, uh, yeah, can we really – can we push it? We see what we're up against, right? We know Joe Burrow is only going to get better. We know that, obviously, Patrick Mahomes, he's already at the top of the game, and it somehow feels like he could get better. And then, obviously, Josh Allen, like those guys, yeah, they're going to be there for the next 10, 15 years. So they're going to have to figure out something as they seemingly avoided them and then still got bounced. Um, at the other side of the bracket, I don't really have any – Rams Bucks thoughts I mean I guess I could say yeah the Rams like what was that second half right but then it's like they still found a way and uh, I kind of crapped and shit on Matt Stafford a lot but um that last drive really took uh took balls right it took guts because the whole team the, the ship is sinking right like you were already you're the, the fireworks the SOS signals are shot off you're begging somebody to come save the ship Tom Brady's about to etch you into history as the second best comeback ever uh Prior, obviously, the Falcons one was the best in the Super Bowl. But uh, then Matt Stafford, he just finds a way. Uh, McVay dials up a good play, right? They kind of it, – it's one of those things they studied up. The Bucks sent out an all-out blitz. They get Cooper Cup matched up with who they wanted, uh, Antoine Winfield. I don't know how that was even a matchup. And uh, they burn them. So, I mean, I guess it's resiliency on that. But then at the other side, it scares me going into this week that uh, they can play such a picture-perfect half of football. It kind of seemed like Week 18 all over again. Um, and then they, but they find a way to win. So, I mean, any quick thoughts from you guys on that Rams Bucks game? Uh, I'll say this about the Rams: uh, everything was going wrong, right? The snap over Stafford's head, those fumbles—they're basically letting Tampa Bay get back in the game and handing it to him. I'll say this: that execution at the end, like you were saying, was uh, phenomenal. We saw that. This kind of reminds me of the Ravens game where they played really bad, but then executed phenomenally down the stretch in that last drive to win. Uh, both of those games, I think they lose if Jared Goff's still their quarterback. So, like, <clears throat> you got to be encouraged, right? You got Stafford, you made it through, and here you go, hosting the NFC Championship game. Yeah, they. Uh, that's the one thing I will say. I mean, Brandon kind of nailed it, just the resiliency. You know, 99 out of 100 times, it seems like when we see a team fold like that, they just don't, they don't have any willingness to get back off the mat and get up and win. And usually the team who comes storming back uh, has all the sort of momentum on their side and they end up winning those type of games. But I will just say, just because we joked about it in chat and I kind of joked about it on Twitter, with the Rams having had five possessions in the second half that lasted 50 seconds or less, it was just hilarious to me that, uh, you know, they could have seriously just kneeled on all those possessions and punted, <laughs> kneeled three times, and the clock would have ran out before the Bucks could have ever scored enough to tie the game at 27 yeah because the bucks it's not like they were slinging it like they had to methodically get down the field and then you'd see the rams get the ball back i don't know strip sack then a snap over the head and that's like what five seconds off the clock then they wasted nine seconds off the the fourth quarter yeah the clock management was um 
it was interesting and just the the unfortunate events i don't think i've ever seen that many like fumbles and the guys that don't fumble either right well a couple of cam makers fumbles the cooper cup fumble was super uh, super surprising to me but hey they found a way right they're playing this weekend and then um yeah i guess straight up to lambeau field as you mentioned teams that flop and fold we had uh, aaron Rodgers come out picture perfect seven nothing and then um, a Mercedes Lewis fumble happened. And then it seemed like Aaron Rodgers just shut it down. He mailed it in. He wouldn't go deep. He think I, the only two guys he targeted all night were Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Um, he really, I guess, missed Marquez Valdez Scantling that badly that he couldn't find another guy, right? It's usually these veteran quarterbacks when a fumble happens, especially Aaron Rodgers, he won't go to you anymore, right? You drop a pass, he won't go to you. And, um, what a what a remarkable special teams effort right, by the 49ers. They didn't obviously Jimmy Garoppolo didn't light it up, honestly did nothing. He showed up. He got a participation grade. It was an A because they make it to the uh, to the next week. But uh, the special teams found the block punt touchdown and the block field goal where uh, the Packers guy number 95, I think it was literally doesn't move and the field goal uh, gets blocked. I mean, what do you make the legacy? Um, it's kind of toast, right? It's shredded. It's put in the shredder when you lose. This one at home to uh, to James Garoppolo that does uh, absolutely nothing. And, yeah, he just looked like he shut down, to be honest. That's what I think. He came out out of the gates when shit hit the fan. He just – he didn't he didn't want any part of it, it looked like. I think he's now like five and four at Lambeau in, uh, in the postseason. I think he's been favored in every single one of them, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on one, but he's been favored in the majority of them. And he just continues to uh, disappoint. Yeah, let's be honest about this game, right? Green Bay Green Bay was disappointing. Their special teams was atrocious. Aaron comes out, puts up a phenomenal touchdown drive to start, and then three points the rest of the game. Like, you have all those weapons. You're Aaron Rodgers. The team has been phenomenal this year. Okay, special teams wasn't great. The defense played played their ass off, right? The defense barely gave up any points. The special teams gave up most of the points. But at the same time, like – it were, I don't know, how do you only get three more points the rest of the game if you're Aaron Rodgers in that offense at home, one seed, off the bye? Like, I don't understand how you only put up three more points. It reminds me of, I believe, the 2013 NFC Championship game. Could have been 2014 in Seattle where Russell threw like four interceptions. And granted, they played a tougher defense in the Legion of Boone defense, and they were on the road, but Aaron could only put up like 13 or 16 points. Like, it was very little. And then the Seahawks came storming back and just reminded me of that offensive like performance because they had a ton of opportunities. The Niners were not moving the ball, right? Even when they finally got a drive going, they got it down to the Green Bay territory, it ended up being uh, stopped on downs. And then Green Bay got the ball back and didn't give up any points. So yeah, the special teams were atrocious, but like, I can't let Aaron, let Aaron Rodgers off the hook. The fact that he only put up three more points the, re the rest of the game was pretty alarming to me. Yeah, we're not letting Aaron Rodgers off the hook, to be honest. I mean, he, he was he was bad, right? You're the MVP. He's gonna can we just take the MVP award away, right? He's gonna obviously probably win it. But um, yeah, I'm just so tired after the game. The victim nonsense, the I'm not gonna be part of a rebuild. Like, I don't know. It's like zero accountability on uh, his part. I know there's a quarterback in Tampa that probably would have gutted it out and found a way to uh get the job done, regardless of the uh the circumstances. But um, Blaine, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to really add too much. Everybody's seen it, heard it. You guys uh, pretty much just covered it. He was just terrible. I mean, we can sit here and say he needed more help. Sign me Randall Cobb. Bring me this dude. Bring Aaron Jones back. I mean, the only thing that he can even point to, and it's still an excuse, is he could say, well, you know, we scored on the one possession where we had A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon gets into the end zone from five yards out. He doesn't play the rest of the game but that's even a terrible excuse. You're at home. You're playing this dude who should be like a math teacher. He sucks at quarterback and you can't even score. So I'm done with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. Spot on the, uh, yeah. Just the victim stuff after the game was just ridiculous. They're rooting against me because of my vaccination status, this and that. It's like, no, Aaron, we're probably rooting against you. One, because the 49ers have a huge fan base and uh, they're rooting against you. And it's just you, man. It's just like the moments like this after the game, right? You could take onus and say, hey, our offense didn't get the job done. Um, we we could have done a better job. No, it's this, that, rebuilds. I don't want to do this. Don't want to do that. Um, I don't know. He's being it's crazy, like towards the end of his career, right, where we don't know if it's going to be the end of his Packers career. He's like flipping the switch and eerily becoming similar to how Brett Favre was at the end of uh, his Packers tenure, where it's the retirement. I might retire. I might not retire this, that, this, that. 
And um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, it's a, uh, it's exhausting. He was bad. And as you said, he lost to a guy that, uh, that sucked at a quarterback and you can only musker 10 points at home as the one seed off a bye. Uh, embarrassing stuff. Uh, before we talk about conference championship stuff, I just want to jump in. Obviously, it's hot. Uh, coaching hires are starting to happen. The Broncos got Nathaniel Hackett, offensive coordinator. We saw the Bears, um, for some reason, go defense. They get the Colts defensive coordinator, uh, Matt Efferblues, I believe that's that's how you say his name, something wild like that. So, I mean, my, my biggest thing is when you look at the final four of this bracket, they're all offensive coaches, right? You got Zach Taylor, you got Andy Reid, Kyle Shannon, and Sean McVay. Obviously, Sean McDermott was in the last round. He's kind of like, and then there's Bill Belichick, who's the GOAT. But Sean McDermott's kind of the uh, the odd man out of the group when you look at these playoffs. But he also has Brian Dable, right, a guy who kind of built Josh Allen up, created an offense for Josh Allen. He's calling the plays on the offensive side of the ball. So I guess my big question is, why? why if you're a team looking for a head coach in 2022, uh, why are you hiring a defensive head coach, right? When we look at a situation like the Jets, right, you're bringing in uh, Robert Sala to groom Zach Wilson, or you're bringing in a defensive coach now to groom Justin Fields. I mean, you could hire a defensive coach, but you're going to need what a ridiculous play caller, right? You're going to need a really good offensive coordinator. And if that offensive coordinator is that good, he's probably gone in a year, right? Cause he's going to get scooped up by somebody that, uh, that sees how good he's doing. So, I mean, if you guys are looking at head coaches, uh, can you guys reason why somebody would hire a defensive head coach in, uh, in, uh, 2022? It certainly wouldn't be my thought process uh, strategy for it. Cause like, as you said, the final four teams, but even if you zoom out and look at all 14 playoff teams. So you have Bill Belichick, which is clearly an outlier. He has all his years of success. And then Sean McDermott for the bills, Mike Vrabel for the Titans and he's handicapped by his quarterback. And then I think all the other ones are more offensive minded, right? Uh, maybe Mike Tomlin is an, another one, but those are, Tomlin and Belichick are established coaches. Every other young coach and is offensive minded. And we're seeing a game that all the rules are tailored towards the offense. It just makes all the sense in the world to tailor everything towards your offense and your quarterback and get that right first. Right. Because the last, like today's NFL, it's almost, it's all offensive, right? We see the points are higher. The yards are higher. Everything's higher. So it's, it's hard to justify the defensive higher to me. And on top of that, the defensive coordinators that are like never been head coaching head head coaches before feels questionable to me but you never know right like there's coaches in the past I wasn't crazy about the hire and they turned out to be really good so yeah it's just tough for me when I mean even when you look at Brian Flores who's a hot candidate I think he had what three OCs in three years like he was going through them literally like their girlfriends right he was just passing them through bringing new guys in and still couldn't figure out the uh, rhythms I mean if you're hiring a defensive guy uh, you got to sit down and say, well, who's going to be your play caller, right? If we have a young quarterback, if we have Justin Fields, if we have Zach Wilson, if we have whoever, Trevor Lawrence down in Jacksonville, like those are, you got to have somebody that can build that guy up, right? I just don't see defensive uh, coaches being able to do that without having a plan and having a really good play caller coming with them. Blaine, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, you know, supposedly Matt Nagy was the great offensive mind. He had one good year where he made Trubisky look like he was serviceable. He was from the Andy Reed tree. And then that didn't even work out. So that makes me think even more that they would have went brilliant offensive mind because they just had an offensive coach who, you know, last couple of years made that team look like they couldn't score at all. So like you would think that'd be the first thing they want to address the bears other than a couple Packers games and a couple kind of outliers. They really haven't been terrible defensively. They've got good pieces. Robert Quinn was like top three uh, this year in sacks. Khalil Mack, you know, on the other bookend when he's healthy. They've got pretty good pieces in the secondary with Jalen Johnson and Eddie Jackson. So I, I thought they were kind of in a position where they should have gone offense, um, especially with Justin Fields kind of being the future. Um, and then like another example would be the Broncos. They kept trotting out defensive coach after defensive coach after defensive coach with like no success they they have like uh i want to say three out of the last four seasons they haven't even averaged like 21 points per game it's been that horrendous and then you hear all the smoke all off season was that dan quinn was the front runner and it's like why are they going defense again now obviously today hackett got hired so in the end they did go offense but to your point i just think most of the success right now is with an offensive coach kind of marrying up 
with an up-and-coming quarterback. The only outlier that I can even think of uh, in the last two coaching cycles, obviously McDermott's been there a few more years, but the only one I can think of in the last couple coaching cycles is uh, defensive coordinator Brandon Staley really being a good match for Justin Herbert, but that's kind of, you know, that could go either way. He, he did a lot of things that uh, made some people unhappy, and a lot of people thought they should have been in the playoffs this year. But the, the success he has had with, with Herbert is maybe the only one that I can point to where it's like, yeah, defensive coach and young quarterback, and he, he got him to thrive. Yeah, exactly. I was super high on Staley out of the gates this year, too, and that guy um, just let me down. And then, yeah, McDermott, I mean, we got to see what happens with Dable, right? Because we know if Brian Dable calls the plays up there. It is, so it's going to be super interesting if you take him out of the equation up there. Um, is that offense going to look the same? Like, what, what are the dynamics going to uh, look like I don't know the Bears confuse me right the Bears I don't know they still think it's 1970s and 1980s and they're going to be the big bad defense right they're going to do this going to be that it's cold weather we're going to beat you up when you come to Chicago Um, and I just I don't know I thought Jim Caldwell would have been a home run to pair him with Justin Fields and I think they whiffed right I think I kind of feel bad now I could eat my words in eight months from now and that guy be a ridiculous coach and their defense be top five and Justin Fields does enough but um I just I don't get it and then you were pretty much spot on with the Broncos every single year I expected you expected a Dan Quinn and I was like I don't know about Dan Quinn I was like uh, his defense, right? They, he got them to turn around the Cowboys defense to turn around and force turnovers, but they were still getting gouged. They were still getting penalized. So it's like really um, at the end of the day, uh, was he really that good? Obviously they went with Hackett. We'll see what Hackett can do. Cause obviously LaFleur calls plays um, in green Bay. So, I mean, we'll see what he's made from, but if it was me looking at a, a coaching hire and I had a young quarterback, I'm going offense because I want to pair somebody with my young quarterback to build him up and help him thrive. And I just don't see defensive guys uh, really doing that in this day and age. But um, yeah, I mean, let's get straight up into it. Let's get straight up, shift gears. Let's bring it back to the playoffs. Not talk about the teams that are eliminated in garbage. Uh, Sunday opens up with the, or I was about to say the Chiefs at the Bengals. The Bengals going on the road into Arrowhead. Uh, maybe the surprise of the AFC, maybe not the surprise. They kind of had the favorable side of the bracket, obviously beat the Raiders, go on the road, beat the Titans. They're heading in Arrowhead to take on a, a whole nother beast, right? You get to face Ryan Tannehill. That's like, that's a vacation, right? That's like going to Hawaii. And uh, now you get to come back and uh, you're off vacation and bang, you get slammed at the desk with work. Uh, you get to face Patrick Mahomes. He's in, uh, obviously we saw what he did last week. Uh, the Chiefs are there. The crowd's going to be pumped. Um, the Chiefs, they've averaged 33.2 points per game in the postseason with Mahomes at quarterback. So they score, score, score. Um, they're already seven point dogs. I just don't know how I can really spin this one in the Bengals' favor. We saw that O line last week. As I said uh, in a group chat, they looked like the Titanic after hitting the iceberg. They were just letting guys through all day. I just, I mean, Frank Clark's going to have fun. Melvin Ingram's going to have fun. Uh, Chris Jones to be able to eat in the middle of that Bengals' O line. I just don't know. If uh, two weeks in a row they can they can do enough, right? You can't get – I mean, obviously I don't think he'll get sacked nine times, but I expect him to get hit just as much, right? Like the, the Chiefs are going to send guys. Spagnuolo is going to send guys. Um, obviously they played in the regular season. Bengals shocked us all. I think it was 34-31, uh, squeezing out the victory. That was a, a surprising one. I want to say the Chiefs were up, what, 27-14? The Chiefs were up like two scores or at least 10 at the time. And um, so – I mean, what do you guys see going into this Bengals seven-point dogs that I mentioned? Um, yeah, I mean, whoever wants to take a stab at it, I think uh, we're kind of all going to be in unison here with uh, the Chiefs. This should be business as usual, but, I mean, this playoffs has kind of been weird. And uh, can the Bengals do anything to stop the Mahomes train? I don't see how, right? Like, they slipped through and got that 34-31 victory. Uh, the Chiefs scored 28 in the first half of that game, three in the second half. Uh, good luck holding them to three points in any half at Arrowhead in the championship game. Not to mention it was the Jamar Chase show, right? Like 11 catches, 266 yards, three touchdowns. I think he had two long touchdowns that game. So realistically, I mean, I have a hard time seeing Jamar Chase pop off like that again. Uh, I'm sure Jamar Chase will get his. He's a phenomenal player. But I don't really see, like, how the Bengals do it again, right? You, 
it's incredibly difficult to replicate a performance that Jamar Chase had. Uh, they would clearly would have lost that game if Jamar Chase didn't ball out and play out of his mind. Uh, they escaped the Titans, giving up nine sacks. This is a much better Chiefs defense. Tyron Matthew practiced in full today. He should be out there. Um, it's just it's really hard for me to see how Cincinnati wins this. They are certainly capable because they have the offensive firepower. But being on the road to, with a team that's been there plenty of times, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, the unless the Chiefs aren't ready to play, right, they came off that high against the Bills and they're not really locked in, which I have a hard time believing since they lost the Super Bowl last year. They have a huge hunger to get it again, and they're so close. I just – I don't know. I mean, the Bengals can do it, right? I don't want to write off any of the teams. There's four teams left. Like, any of them can win for sure. But I have a hard time seeing Cincinnati pull it off. Yeah, it's just it's super tough. You're going on the road. I mean, I'm going to kind of I'm going to stop saying that they're going to be nervous. Maybe Zach Taylor will be nervous. But every time like I've been saying, yeah, Joe Burrow, the feet aren't going to get wet. Um, he might get rattled. Um, he got the shit kicked out of him last week and he clearly wasn't rattled. So I'm just going to stop that narrative on my end that like he might come out shaky and nervous. Um, yeah, I think I mean, when I look at it, the best shot for the Bengals is to literally have what happened last week with the Bills, right? Getting an absolute shootout. And uh, just hope that with 13 seconds or the last 20 seconds that you can actually play defense, right? If everything goes your way and you somehow don't turn the ball over and don't, you know what I mean? Don't get screwed with penalties and murdered with penalties um, and holdings. Just try to get things going, get drives going. And um, yeah, that's really the only way I can see the Bengals going in. Like I can't see them containing this Chiefs offense. Andy's in the bag on the script. He's the finding a way to get it done. I mean, he just, he, he's, they got everything going in Kansas city, but that's kind of the only way I, uh, from my perspective, I could see the Bengals uh, stealing this one as if it got another wild shootout and they had the ball late and Joe Burrow uh, pulled some magic off at Arrowhead. How about you, Blaine? How do you see this one going and what, uh, what keys are you looking for on a uh, Sunday? Yeah. I, I just think this is a step up in class for the Bengals. You know, it reminds me of when, every year when conference play starts in in uh, college basketball and, you know, you get that first conference matchup and it's like, well, this team played, you know, Tarleton State and Northwestern State and all those schools, and we don't know if they're battle-tested going in. And that's kind of how I feel about the Bengals. Uh, we got to remember, as much credit as we've given them, they've only won both games by, uh, by one score. I mean, both games have been one-score wins for them against the – uh, Raiders at home and then on the road against a team who we have never really said has a great home field advantage in, in the Titans. So for me, it's a step up in environment and it's a step up in class. Like, like this is just a heavyweight team they're going to be facing. And the other thing that we shouldn't let go unnoticed, obviously, you know, we, we, we all three agree that in the trenches uh, when the chiefs are on defense and the Bengals are on offense, that the chiefs uh, defense should really be able to have their way and, and bully that offensive line. One of the things on the broadcast uh, when the, when the Bengals won that game against the Titans is the broadcasters were kind of baffled. You know, he's, he's been sacked five times. Now he's been sacked six times. Now he's been sacked seven times. And the Bengals didn't really adjust in terms of route concepts and the route tree. And the broadcasters were saying, you, you notice every single time Burrow's getting hit, it's like on these long developing routes, because that's how, they operate, they want Higgins and Chase to get down the field. And I don't know that that's the recipe for a young quarterback behind a poor offensive line is to just be running like, you know, deep routes, deep digs, deep over routes, you know, post corners, you know, uh, just simple go routes. I don't, I don't know that that's the recipe behind a poor patchwork offensive line. Usually you want to get the ball out quickly, but that's just simply something the Bengals have refused to do. And then on the other side of the ball, I just don't think that the the Bengals defense, although they've been opportunistic and they've been able to get some pressure with, you know, Hendrickson and those guys, I don't think that they can stop the Chiefs at all. And, you know, we all said last week we didn't think that either defense, defense had an advantage when it was Bills and Chiefs, but we did respect the Bills as the number one pass defense, and I believe they were either one or two in scoring defense, and we didn't think they had a chance to stop Mahomes in that Andy Reid offense and Andy Reid is so so good you know with his opening script and then adjusting at halftime and so I don't see any way that if I didn't give the Bills any benefit of the doubt in stopping that offense I don't see how I can go out here and say 
that a, a very inconsistent Bengals D who's had ups and downs all season long is all of a sudden going to crack the Mahomes Andy Reid code. Yeah, I mean, it's spot you touched on. Uh, yeah, pretty much much everything. I mean, it's hard to spin up a, a Bengals upset. It just there, there's there's so many things that would have to happen on Sunday. Uh, you'd have to get an extraordinarily bad Patrick Mahomes game and just Andy Reid, maybe he's blindfolded or he brings the Wendy's menu instead of a play <laughs> chart and just forgets how to <laughs> forgets how to call plays, right? That O-line, too bad. The crowd's going to be roaring, um, and you hit it with the Bengals' offense. I don't expect them to kind of try to get quick routes, quick routes, quick routes. They're, you know I mean? It's too late in the game, right? You're now at the, the – in winner-go-home games, um, you're not just going to change up what you've done all year, right? You have the entire – you have 18 regular, 17 regular season games to make adjustments to how you're going to play. Um, and when you get to this point, I don't expect the philosophy to suddenly flip. And it's even went the other way, right? I think when you look at the last seven games, yeah, Joe Mixon's dropped about four carries. His rush yards are down. So they went more pass, 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 uh, less Mixon. Uh, the O-line, as we already said, is awful. Probably use every pick on the O-line. They get the one O-lineman they did pick has been a flop. Um, so, I mean, it's a good, right? This is a good uh, – if you're coming out of this as a Bengals fan, right, this is a great point, right? You're way ahead of schedule. I mean, this could almost – it could be good and bad there, right, because you get to the AFC Championship game now, Burrow coming a year off of the uh, ACL. This is kind of like it might become the gold standard, right? Bengals fans are going to be craving AFC title game, AFC. Like, we got to make it there. We got to make it back. Um, but they definitely have a lot of pieces to the uh, to the roster to kind of shore up. And, um, yeah, you hit it on the head with the class difference. This is like a guy that wins X amount of amateur fights, and then he's going to fight the champion, and bang, the champ has already been here, done that. We've seen what the Chiefs can do. They've been to two Super Bowls in a row, and uh, they looking, they're looking probably headed to a, uh, to a third. But, um, yeah, so I assume – I mean, Let me make one more point, too. Yep. Even if the, even if the Chiefs get the same amount of pressure – as they got last week. I know it kind of looked crazy in the end. Let's just be real about it. Joe Burrow is not, you know, pulling rabbits out of hats like Josh Allen wasn't escaping when there's like two, three guys draped on him. I mean, he's Ooh. going down. He's probably folding up like, you know, a tent at a graduation. And, you know, Josh Allen was somehow spinning out of those things, stiff arming defenders off, running back 30 yards, and then jogging up the sideline and finding guys. That's not happening. I thought the Chiefs honestly got a bunch of pressure up against a good offensive line that the Bills had last week, but Josh Allen made up, uh, you know, for that a lot in, in, in optics in terms of how the play ended up in result. But I don't think that's going to happen. You're talking about a worse offensive line and a less mobile, less magical quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he's – you can go ahead, Alex, but I was just going to say he's literally – yeah, he's going to – I mean, the pressure if Chris Jones gets a good push off the middle, he's going to do the Tom Brady fall over, right? Like it's a dead play. Um, he's not yeah, he's not going to move like that. And then on the other side, if you're the Bengals and it's a third and five or a third and seven and there's something, you've got to find a way to contain Mahomes. You, we said it last week. You made the point right towards the end before we wrapped it up was the, these guys being able to get out and just get uh, get yards when, when the play is dead. And Mahomes does it great because they have so much speed and they can just send everybody vertical and everybody kind of forgets, oh, shit, Patrick Mahomes can actually move. And I think he broke off a 40-yard run. Uh, against the Bills straight down the uh, middle. And he, time and time again, he was in his bag. Honestly, he had a rushing touchdown uh, by doing that, the little playground run around. So, I mean, they've got to be able to uh, get them off the field and somehow uh, contain that in a way, if they even can. But uh, yeah, you're spot on with the Joe Burrow. If, if they get any type of pressure, that man's, that man's falling over. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to piggyback on that point, right, because we saw Josh Allen make miraculous play after miraculous play. Uh, if the Bengals are going to get through it and they're going to need a little bit of that magic, it's going to be those Jamar Chase broken plays, right, because uh, I think it was his first long touchdown in the first matchup. They got it to him, and he literally cut in the inside and outran the corner and the safety because he's just faster. So, like, it's it's like a, it's the same thing but, like, a different dynamic, right? When it's Josh Allen and the Bills, it's Josh Allen running around from three defenders and, like, picking up a first down on fourth and four with his legs, right? Here it's going to be – like, Joe Burrow is not capable of doing that. Joe Burrow is very good, like – but to your point, Blaine, he's going to just fold up and fall down, right? So they're going to need Jamar Chase to break some big, big plays and contain Tyreek Hill on the other side if they're going to get a little offense on the ma magic on the offensive side to, like, keep up with them. Yep. That's uh, pretty 
we pretty much hit everything on the head. I mean, I assume we're all in unison. We are all uh, going with the Chiefs to pretty comfortably win. I think they'll win fairly comfortably, I'd say, by 10-plus. Maybe I'd say probably two touchdowns, honestly. I just think the uh, – it's just not – it's not a slight at the Bengals, but it's just, as Blaine said, it's a class difference. Uh, I just think they'll be able to get after uh, Burrow quite a bit. And um, I just don't know if uh, – actually, I do know. I don't – that uh, the Bengals on the defensive side, I don't think they'll be able to generate enough stops to uh, really get the uh, get the Chiefs off the field, right? That's their SB. Somehow get the Chiefs off the field. And they don't play the offensive style, right? You want to keep Mahomes uh, on the sidelines and somehow grind out drives and wear down that Chiefs defense. And uh, they're just not going to do that, right? They're going to air the ball out and uh, have fun. And, I mean, hey, they could say F it, throw it if Jamar's down there as they made that kind of their uh, their slogan um, after that game, that 266-yard game. But I just don't see it. So I think Chiefs by at least, I'd say, 10-plus. I'll be generous. I'll say 10-plus. Yeah, 10 yeah, I'll take Chiefs by at least seven, a full touchdown. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think, I think they cover the seven. I think probably, you know, 10, 13 or so is where I'd have it. I just, I just don't think the Bengals can stop them. And, and obviously things will happen. There will be a batted pass on third down. They may, you know, get one of those crazy fluky things that haven't happened where, you know, Mahomes throws an absolute dart to Tyreek and he takes his eyes off it and pops up in the air. But it's going to be like that thing. This is not going to be, oh, man, they're giving them fits and Mahomes just can't figure them out. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, let's let's uh, see how it plays out on Sunday. We've seen crazier shit happen, but I expected it to be business as usual for Andy Reid uh, getting to another Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. It's uh, it's quite crazy from where they've came at the beginning of the season. And I made a comment that I said that him and Mahomes will not win another uh, Super Bowl together when they're so bad. And now they're about to uh, make the third straight but uh let's shift gears nfc side um i said it's funny i said earlier in the postseason how i hate the uh in the wildcard weekend how i hate the third matchup i'm not a fan of the third matchup when the uh, patriots played the bills and then obviously the cardinals played the uh rams on wildcard weekend but this is kind of a third matchup that uh it's very very intriguing um you get the 49ers obviously they eked into the playoffs after beating the rams week 18 and now they get a shot. They're back in that same exact building. Uh, it's probably going to be 60% Niner fans, maybe more. They travel well. The Rams were trying to keep them out of the building. That was super corny. Um, obviously, that that little uh, plan folded bad. I think the Niners, they're just going to invade that place. You're going to see a lot of red uh, in there. Obviously, the history, six straight wins for the 49ers against the uh, Sean McVay Rams dating back to 2019. They're looking to make it seven in a row. We got the uh, nine and two Jimmy G playoff. Uh, yeah, that's his playoff record. It's, uh, ridiculous. Uh, 81% when it, the guy, the guy just finds ways to uh, do nothing, but they still win, right? The defense goes crazy. Um, this is the ultimate you said at the beginning with the, uh, the psychological, the beginning of the playoffs to kind of go off of that from the, uh, I believe it was the Patriots and the bills game. When you said that uh, blame with the Belichick uh, psychological edge, this one, um is literally it has to be in the back maybe even in the front of Sean McVay's head right this is the ultimate psychological advantage you have Kyle Shanahan coming back just all the narratives you could have kept them out of the playoffs six straight losses um and I mentioned they are under the most pressure I would say this weekend they cannot lose this game it really makes it awkward going uh going forward in the Sean McVay era in uh, LA, if they lose this game, right? Because you traded for Matt Stafford for the moment like this to uh, push you forward and get to a Super Bowl. If they somehow lost and they lose the Jimmy G um, it's just, I would, I wouldn't even know what to, uh, to make of it. They're in their building. Obviously they get, they have all their guys. They got Cooper cups rolling 40 honors at Debo Samuel. This is just like this game to me says four minutes left. Um, Whoever has the ball, like something crazy is going to happen. I say it's just going to be a three-point game, could be even closer. It's just it's going to come down to the wire. I'm really, really excited to kind of see how this plays out. Um, Blaine, we'll roll with you first. What do you see going into this Sunday with the uh, 49ers and the Rams, the trilogy for a shot at the Super Bowl? Man, this is just this is just one of those ones where it's like everything on paper, everything, you know, Man one to man fifty three on the roster says like the Rams should cruise, but again it's that is it's that psychological edge. It's that week eighteen edge. I mean I said it. I think the 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 playoff preview pod 
where I said, you know, the Saints weren't going to do anything to anybody in this playoffs. They were just going to be sort of a doormat. You, you, you welcome them into your house and, you know, you just walk all over them. But when, when you start playing with fire, like, like the Rams did, and they blow a 17-point lead, this could be their worst nightmare. The team that you let into the playoffs by being corny for 30 minutes of football uh, and, and stop doing what you were doing and start letting, you know, Debo, you know, run around like it's NFL blitz or something. And that's what happens to you. And so I'm not going to be shocked at all if the Niners go stomping in with 75% home field advantage in Los Angeles and beat them down like they're the bully on the block. But I just think somehow, some way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with McVay for some reason. I'm going to go with Stafford, even after what I saw in the second half of that Week 18 game. I swear he got sacked like five times, uh, you know, in the final 10 minutes of that game seemed like Bosa and Armstead and everybody was just all over him. And that's kind of why I picked the, the, uh, the Niners to beat the Cowboys. Cause I'm like, Dak is pretty much just the light skinned Stafford. He's not going to move. He's going to stand back there and look to heave ho. And if he sees pressure, he's just going to go down. And so uh, I, I'm going to, I'm just going to say, this is finally going to be the game where, you know, Jimmy G's nonsense doesn't lead to a win. I swear the fakest stat in all of sports is that Jimmy Garoppolo wins like 70% of his games. I mean, it's, it's got to be like the most misleading, fraudulent stat that I've ever heard. And if you want a stat that backs that up, a different stat, somebody posted yesterday, playoff touchdown passes this postseason. Travis Kelsey won, Debo Samuel won, and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo zero. It's like, Jimmy, how is Jimmy Garoppolo winning games? He's not doing anything. You know, he's not throwing for touchdown passes. He's not even really leading drives. It's just turn around, hand it to Mitchell, do some crazy way to get Debo Samuel the ball. Uh, Jimmy's going to throw a turnover. We're somehow going to get the ball back via blocked punt, via blocked field goal, via fumble recovery, and we're going to overcome our quote-unquote, you know, super super winningest quarterback, and we're going to win games. And, like, to me, it just seems so fake that they keep justifying, well, all he does is win games. And it's like, to me, it's just so fake. Yeah, you're uh, yeah, you hit it. I just want to correct myself from earlier. His four, so he has fewer than 175 pass yards in each of his four career playoff wins. So he does nothing there. And then he's also nine and two in his career with uh, Sam Fran in games where he throws zero passing touchdowns. So in games where he does nothing, uh, Kyle Shanahan somehow drew up the scheme, right? He has to, if Jimmy Garoppolo can do nothing. Uh, we can get the job done somehow, as you said, swing it to Debo Samuel. Can I argue that Debo Samuel might be the most important player on that field on a Sunday, right? Because if Debo Samuel doesn't do Debo Samuel things, uh, I don't know if the 49ers have uh, a shot. Obviously, they have George Kittle, but it seems like that entire offense uh, goes through Debo Samuel, right? Whether it's out of the backfield, whether it's doing some crazy reverse, whether it's just it's just finding ways to get Debo Samuel the uh, football and just carrying James Garoppolo through the group project. It's almost disappointing that I have to watch another week of James Garoppolo football, to be honest. I would have loved the, uh, the narrative of Matt Stafford with a full roster. Finally, he evades Detroit. He's with LA gets to go to face Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau. Like that would have been such a, uh, just a great storyline. Screw you, Aaron Rodgers. Um, Alex, what do you see here with James Garoppolo facing the Rams? I mean, I'm pretty much a blame. Like, uh, I'm going to roll Rams, but I don't feel good about it. I'm rolling Niners, and I feel good about it. Um, oh, boy, well, no. You, yeah. Well, you have I got, to. Yeah, you I have, have to, to, right? Con- I, I, you were contractually obligated by the uh, James Garoppolo Incorporated since the beginning of the playoffs. I, I picked the Niners Chiefs Super Bowl, and I'm still alive. Um, so I got to roll with the Niners, right? Uh, everything y'all said about Jimmy Garoppolo is true, right? <laughs> they went in spite of him, not because of him. Um, every He hits a couple good third down passes a game, uh, and he also throws a couple terrible balls slash interceptions a game, right? You, you know what you're going to get from Jimmy. But the, the Niners defense has played great. They have the Rams number. At least it feels like that. But I will say I, I feel good about the Niners, but, like, Let's keep it 100, right? It's really hard to beat a team three times. Uh, They just blew that game week 18. They let them in. But this is a Rams team that we just saw last week, right? We just talked about it. The snap over Stafford's head, all the fumbles. that They'll play a really good half of football and then a really bad half of football. So, like, if the Rams come out and play a full 60 minutes, they should should cruise to hosting a Super Bowl 
uh, right? Like if they play a full 60 minutes to the ability, they can play the Rams should win. Like Blaine said, if we just went through the roster one through 53 on the paper, uh, it should be all Rams, but there's a psychological edge and the Niners defense is playing lights out. They feel so good. They should went to Lambeau and won. And the fact that you went to LA uh, down 17 and a half, and you came back, won that game in overtime just to get to the playoffs. Like the Niners are playing with house money, right? They're walking in there with a swagger. There's going to be a ton of Niners in the uh, in the crowd. It's going to feel like a Niners home game. They know they're playing with house money. All the pressure's on the Rams. The Rams haven't beat them. And I think the last six matchups, I think, is what it is. So, like, they traded for Stafford. They should win this game. All the pressure's on them. It's just it, – it allows the Niners to go in there and just play, right, play freely. And we know what we're going to get from Debo. We know what we're going to get from Kittle and all, and all of them. But I think I think we're going to see a lot of Elijah Mitchell, like 20-plus carries from Elijah Mitchell. And I think Brandon Ayuk is going to get going a little bit too. He, got, he really got going uh, in the Week 18 matchup in L.A., and I think we're going to see something similar. So a lot of Debo, a lot of Ayuk, a lot of Mitchell. And I think the Niners get it done. But, like, let's – I'm not delusional or anything, right? It's going to be a damn good game. It's going to be close. But I got the Niners by, like, a field goal again. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't disagree. It's hard. This is a tough one. I'm just going Rams. Just yeah, because I'm not taking James Garoppolo to be honest. I'm just, I'm not doing it. Um, but yeah, it's a weird one. I don't know. It takes Rams. Don't feel good. Um, it's funny that you said it's hard to beat. It's it's hard to beat a team three times. It's hard to beat a team seven times in a row. <laughs> is, what, is what it should have. What it uh, should have been because they just owned the Rams. And yeah, I just. I don't know. I'm just going to take uh, take my chances with Sean McVay and that Cooper Cup's not going to fumble and that Cam uh, Akers with the robot leg isn't going to fumble and that they're just able to get in the face of uh, Jimmy G enough if Kyle Shanahan even lets him do anything, right? He might just have a leash on him straight from the sidelines pretty much and say, yeah, you don't do this. It's almost like Kyle Shanahan's just controlling Jimmy G with a controller, right? Just sitting there on the sidelines uh, and letting him do what, uh, whatever – he feels like, but I mean, I could, this could really go either way. And then I, when I look at it, it's if the Rams do lose this game, where do they go from here? Right? Like what is, what is, what does that look like? Cause now you've lost at home. Now it's seven straight to the 49ers. Um, the Stafford experiment, it got you to the NFC title game, but you, you, you lost. Um, that's just kind of a question that I'll drop right before we kind of wrap this thing up. If the Rams do lose, where do they go? with obviously no draft picks. I mean, they done shed every draft pick they could. I like it's super aggressive, right? Like maximize your title window. They see that the window is to uh, to win now when you have fading quarterbacks like Tom Brady's now 46 and you got Aaron Rodgers. He loses in playoff games at home. Um, but where would the Rams go if they do lose this? Well, and the, the other thing, not only where would they go if they lose this, but if you had asked, uh, you know, the Rams, you know, and they were forced to tell the truth before the playoffs started. And you told him, look, you're going to be in the NFC title game at home and you're not going to be playing, uh, you know, the Bucks to get to the Super Bowl or the Packers to get to the Super Bowl. You got to feel like they're signing up like 100 out of 100 times because, yeah. I mean, that, that means that they're playing, you know, the Cowboys or, or the 49ers or uh, whoever. And so I just even – even worse it's 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 you know somewhat um acceptable or i don't know what the word is but it's it's somewhat okay if you can look yourself in the mirror and say oh you know we lost our season to to aaron Rodgers. the packers were the best team in the nfc all year we lost to the goat and you know we just we just didn't get that final step to the super bowl but i don't think there's any way of of glossing over the fact and saying, oh, it's, it's acceptable. If we just paid Matt Stafford all this money, we signed all these, you know, big time guys over the past few years or traded for them, giving up all these first round picks only for it to culminate in losing at home to Jimmy Garoppolo and then be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, it's okay. I, I'm not buying that. So I think that something drastic would have to be made or have to be done with that roster. Obviously Aaron Donald and Matt Stafford aren't going anywhere, but maybe you do start looking at trading a Ramsey or, trading Robert Woods coming off the injury. I know both him and Cooper Cup are are under contract. And one other thing before I toss over to Alex that has nothing to do with, you know, where do they go from here? I'm just interested in seeing um, the split of carries between Akers and Michelle this week. I believe I did hear that Michelle lost zero fumbles uh, this season. 
and Akers not only coughs it up at the one uh, right before halftime after they got the interception off Brady, um, but then he coughs it up at the 25-yard line and then allows the, the Bucks to get the go-ahead score. So I understand that they want to do all the, you know, we have confidence in him. He, We want to reward him for coming back so quickly off the torn Achilles. But it seems like, I don't know, he's he's not this, he's not full and healthy Cam Akers. And to just throw Sony Michelle to the side after he had been a workhorse down the stretcher the regular season was very curious to me. I believe he had one carry last week. Yeah, I mean, that's what you get when teams rush guys back from injury, right? They're going to rush them into play. Maybe he has torn hands. Maybe we didn't we didn't get that. He has torn up ligaments in the hands, so he can't hold on to the uh, football. It's funny that you mentioned, like, they don't have to face the, the Packers and the Bucks. I just got, like, super, uh, like, game show vibes, right, when they're like, here, you don't you pick behind what's behind door number two, right, and then bang, the 49ers are behind door number two, and they're just like, <laughs> oh, they're like, just like, oh, shit. Like, we, this is who, this is what we got, like, uh it's super uh, funny, but yeah, I think they would have to do something big, like a big part of the uh, of the team would have to go. As you mentioned, the two guys, I'd say they're untouchables. They're Donald, uh, Cup, and Stafford. Um, but everybody else, I think you could argue, if they lost this game at home, would be up on the uh, up on the chopping block because uh, you would have to do something draft when you lose seven straight and then you lose to uh, your division rival three times in a season. Just all the factors leading into this. If you lost this, they would have to do something uh, pretty drastic, like you said. Any uh. Any uh, add-on from uh, you, Alex, where the Rams would have to go if they did lose this uh, home game, quote-unquote home game, to the uh, 49ers? Uh, I'm right there with you, all right, because you're, like, over the cap, no draft picks. You put everything into it this year. But, like, I, I, I don't – I just think – I think Ramsey would be an untouchable as well. That's just where I differ. I think they would hold on to Ramsey, try and get rid of Von Miller, Woods, or probably Woods, not Beckham. But I don't know. It's a tough spot, right? Because, like, those are big names and key pieces that, like, are owed a lot of money. But even if you move them around and you get more players there, I don't know if you necessarily get better, right? Because they're still a damn good team, right? They're a game away from the Super Bowl. And if they lose this one, you're, you you can run it back and you're still damn close. But I don't, I don't know what trades or what you do to, like, put the roster over the top, right? Like, to make – to get that one last step. Because that was supposed to be last offseason. That was supposed to be the Stafford trade and then getting Von Miller halfway through the year and then getting Odell after Woods goes down. Those are supposed to be the moves that put you over the top. So, if that doesn't put you over the top, I, I don't know. It's going to be really tough to see what does. Yeah, well, it's tough because Jared Goff wins the Super Bowl in the scheme, right? So if you don't get there, mm -hmm. Matt Stafford was the guy, right? Before all those other guys, Matt Stafford was the guy. He unlocks everything. You get him, yeah, we can go to Super Bowl. So it gets super uh, dicey. I just think Ramsey, he's got, like, the biggest personality there. And, like, if they were to lose this game, I could see him having a huge blow-up, right? He's kind of a hothead. We've seen him fight his own teammates on the sidelines and just do a bunch of crazy stuff, I just think. And he would also net you – the uh the biggest return right i don't know what trading von miller at this point in von miller's career he's good but i just don't know that you're going to get a game-changing return yeah uh, from him you dealt a second and a third i believe it was to get him so it's like what is i mean if it was madden you could probably squeeze a first out of somebody yeah. but i mean this is real life you have to look at what you can't come back with the uh with the a similar group of guys i just don't know if every personality in that locker room would be able to uh, coincide and live on with each other if they were to lose this, but I mean, that's the great part about this. I'm super pumped for this game. I just wish it was, maybe it was, I wish it was Trey Lance and not Jimmy G and I'd be even more excited for this uh, game. Um, the Trey Lance point though, makes it so exciting for the Niners. Like regardless if they win or lose this game, right. They snuck in when they got healthy here, they are in the conference championship. And then you get to add a real quarterback. Hopefully he pans out, right. He's got all the talent and you get a real quarterback, super talented back there with that scheme. Oh yep. man, this is just the start for him. Yep. So, I mean, it's prediction time. Actually, I got one more over under Jimmy G passing yards. It's at two twenty two and a half. Over. Over. Under. I'm going under as well. I just don't think, I mean, yeah, he's just, he's averaged 146 pass yards per game in his playoff career. Um, that's all I got to, uh, that's all I got to say about that. But I mean, prediction, we know Alex is going Niners. I'm going to go Rams 28, 24. They get it done. They find a way to uh, they move on. They will be the first team to host the uh, conference championship and the Super Bowl. Wow. What a cool stat. Yeah. I'll say Rams 27, 23. 
And I'll take San Francisco 31-28. 31-28. He says a shootout in L.A. That's um, – that's uh, it's it's going to be fireworks. It's going to be uh, exciting, um, and we're getting down to the uh, to the nitty gritty, right? So, I mean, we'll see how it goes, and I mean, we'll we'll unpack it all uh, next week. But I mean, that's going to wrap it up for uh, this conference championship slash coaching carousel slash divisional uh, little uh, recap. That's going to do it. Please like, subscribe, and comment. Um, the Spotify link, if you're an audio only person, will be posted in the description of this video, so you can go ahead and follow us on there if you listen audio only and um yeah as always we'll see y'all next week hopefully the uh, conference championship lives up to uh, what last week did for us